Well, welcome to another in our series, Defeating the Dark Side, Defeating the Dark Side. And um, Paul writes um, a fantastic uh, document uh, in Ephesians 6. When Paul was in prison, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write some very powerful words, which we sometimes refer to as a passage uh, the armor of God. And Paul gives us some great principles here. See, Paul at the time, being in prison, he would have seen uh, a Roman soldier. In fact, some commentators suggest he might have even been chained to a Roman soldier. And so he's seeing their, you know, their, their, their armor all the time. And of course, he's also aware that the, the Mediterranean world of the day, people knew the armor of the Roman soldiers. So he very cleverly turns it into an analogy to think about, well, just as a Roman soldier needs um, protection, so human, so Christians need protection spiritually. And we're going to be looking at that today. It's called the armour of God, the armour of God. Um, I've got a little necklace here I often wear, and it's, uh, it's, it's called an armour of God necklace, seriously. And it's on the necklace that says this, Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes a few different necklaces I wear, but this is probably the one I wear the most, and I place that over my heart. It looks like that. Now, on this very special occasion, I've got three of these to give away today. Who would like one? You just have to raise your hand. Brett would like one. Actually, tell you what, Steve, run that down to Brett. Who else would like one? Ah. Throw? Will that be okay? Cool. Anyone else? Well, I've got one more to give away. Jonathan, can I... Will I throw it? Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Actually, they, they fly quite well. <laughs> I'm confident you can't really damage it. It's metal. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me read the passage in context that that particular verse comes from that I read from the, the Silver Cross. It says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armour of God. You'll see a few words there, rulers, powers, and authorities. Um, what on earth are they referring to? This was a subject of debate, actually, when I was at Bible college. So I did a few subjects at Moreland College, which is the Baptist Seminary in Sydney. And I remember at the time, students and lecturers were debating about what those things really mean. Because on the one side of the debate, there were people saying it refers to structures in society, Oppressive systems within society that might keep the poor poor and keep the, the wealthy rich. And I do think demonic forces do have an influence on structures and societies for sure. But to say that's the primary meaning of the passage, I disagree with that. In fact, the, the, one of the phrases within the passage actually says, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, how clear is that? Um, let me quote from conservative theologian, the late John Stott. He writes a commentary on every book of the New Testament. He says this, I have thus far assumed that by principalities and powers, Paul was alluding to personal demonic intelligences. Paul meant supernatural cosmic forces, a vast hierarchy of angelic and demonic 
beings. I tend to agree with him. I think that is what the passage is about. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, go through six different dimensions or aspects of the armour of God today. And to do that, um, I've uh, grabbed an image here from an American website called the armour of God. It looks like this, and unfortunately it is the American spelling of armour. But other than that, it's a very useful little document. And so, as you can see here, it's, it's, this is a type of armour a Roman soldier wore. And we've got it there, right, right at the top there, you've got the helmet of salvation, and uh, next one down, the breastplate of righteousness, you've got the belt of truth, which um, is actually kind of holds the armour together, and the sword is, is held positioned against that if it's not held in the hand. Uh, we've got the shield of faith, we've got the sword of the spirit, that I've just mentioned, and also feet protected with the gospel of peace. Now, I'm going to go through this fairly quickly and even pray some suggested prayers of how you can pray the armour over your life. And if you would like, we have a bunch of these on the information table at the back. And some are laminated if you want to pop it on your fridge with a bit of UTAC or a magnet. Um, or um, there's also some paper ones if you want to fold it up and pop it in a wallet or something of that nature. Let me start journeying through the armour of God. It says in Ephesians 6.13... Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand, your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belts of truth buckled around your waist. So number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Jesus himself had a lot to say about truth. Let me read some of his words. John 18, 37, Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world to was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, one of the things that um, I'm going to do today is um, utilize uh, some prayers that are influenced by a document from Oz Challenge. That's a, a prayer ministry group here in Melbourne. In fact, I can remember a day when Michelle... Uh, the youth pastor, Michelle, that was preaching here recently. I remember when um, we actually went to talk with Oz Challenge because we were concerned there was a witch in our church. And in their discernment, they believed that indeed that was the case. This is real stuff, friends. I know that we're probably thinking, hey, it's, uh, isn't this very med medieval, talking about evil spirits or demons or anything of that nature? Um, but actually... It's very real. This armour of God stuff can actually help protect us. And I know we're in the, in the thick of Halloween at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, as much as it seems like it's just about lollies and chocolates, confectionery and um, dressing up and that sort of thing, that's kind of the surface of it. But it's, it's just interesting to me when I listen to some speakers, for instance, one of them, uh, John Ramirez. He used to be a Satanist high priest in... Uh, uh, New York, did that for years, then he became a Christian. One of the interesting things that he shares is that Halloween, the date of Halloween, it's the second highest pinnacle on the satanic calendar. And believe me, they cast out all manner of curses, particularly over Christians or anyone they don't like, over the period of Halloween. It's a lot more real, this spiritual stuff, than perhaps we may realise. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray the belt of truth over your life today. And uh, to pray that prayer, um, I'm going to simply put it up on the screen and let's just pray, pray it slowly together, asking God to position his belt of truth over our lives. Shall we do that together? Simply pray this out loud. Lord God, 
I tightly place around my waist the belt of truth, for you are the truth. Protect me from errors, lies, and deceptions of the enemy. Help me to speak the truth and prevent people from telling lies about me. In Jesus' name, amen. And that can be the simple process of just asking God to position his supernatural belt of truth around your life, around your waist. It says in Ephesians uh, 10, 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Point two, the second point of the part of the armour, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. We're told in Isaiah 64, 6, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And so here we've got the prophet Isaiah challenging the nation of Israel that may have been performing uh, certain rituals and so forth in the temple, and yet some of their righteous acts in God's sight were nothing better than filthy rags because their heart was not in the right place as they performed their ritualistic duties. And it's also a challenge that, you know, we, we, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be completely righteous. We don't measure up. We need the Lord God to help us be righteous people. And in fact, his work on the cross makes that possible. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, whom has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. By placing our faith in Jesus and his extraordinary supernatural work on the cross, we are then made righteous by our faith in Jesus. But it doesn't mean he doesn't want us to endeavour to live a righteous life. What's righteousness? Well, it's about thinking right, living right, our actions and our attitudes. In other words, right meaning what God considers right. It says this in uh, Romans 6.13. Do not offer any part, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So we pray the breastplate of righteousness over our lives. Would you join me in prayer? Simply pray these words out aloud. Lord God, I place over my chest the breastplate of your righteousness. Protect me from evil and sinful desires. Protect my heart from all unforgiveness, shame, guilt, fear, doubt, anger, bitterness, rebellion, resentment, rejection, pride, self-righteousness, judgmentalism, disappointment, and lust. In Jesus' name, amen. We see there that, that, that prayer is uh, just as the, the armour of God, the breastplate, protected the Roman soldier's heart. And of course there Paul's using an analogy, let's keep sin out of our hearts. Ephesians 6.15 And your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Number three, the gospel shoes of peace. The third part of the armour, the gospel shoes of peace. It tells us in um, Romans 10.15, Paul's words again, he says, How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring 
good news. Uh, over the years, I've listened to quite a bit of Billy Graham, and uh, you listen to his messages uh, from the 60s. And um, there were a lot of peace conferences around that time. One of the things that Billy says on a number of those, those messages of that period, he says this, As good as peace summits are, there will never be peace until human hearts are changed with the power of the gospel. And what he's saying is ultimate peace is only going to happen when people's hearts are deeply impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then can there be a, uh, an end to wars and so forth. And I mean deeply impacted. You know, sometimes people can be a Christian and kind of believe the right stuff, but actually some of their attitudes and actions would kind of, kind of, kind of questionable. And even in Billy's day, when he was doing some of these meetings in the 60s, racism was still uh, a reality in the United States. And um, Billy's organisation had made it clear that there would not be any segregation in their meetings. And yet sometimes in the southern states of America... Sections were roped off, you know, black people here, white people here. Billy himself would go down into those meetings and he would personally remove all of the ropes. You know, and what was his message? The gospel brings peace and unity. Quite the opposite of segregation. You know, Paul, uh, out of all these areas in uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians, this is one area he asked for prayer for himself. At the end of the passage, he says this, 619. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Because he was in prison at the time. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly, as I should. He asked for prayer even for himself, to share that gospel peace, to be empowered, to be confident to do that. Because I tell you what, your confidence could get knocked around if you get imprisoned for sharing the gospel, couldn't you? So we pray the gospel shoes of peace over our lives. Our third prayer today. Let's pray this aloud together. Lord God, I place on my feet the gospel shoes of peace. Help me to share the gospel and make this world a more peaceful place. Help me to be transformed by the gospel and those around me. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. I rest in you. Amen. Let's have a look at the next one uh, in Ephesians 6.16. It says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's a big statement. Just as the Roman shield, quite a big shield, isn't it? It's like the size of a door. You know? And uh, certainly they would use that thing for protection and um, all manner of arrows and other things, spears and so forth, would be stopped. Swords would be prevented. Um, well, what, what Paul is saying here, if you learn how to use the shield of faith, the spiritual shield, you can stop all the flaming darts of the evil one, no matter what they are, if you can develop that skill. Where does faith come from? Well, we're not talking about faith when, you know, sometimes in the music awards, you'll have uh, someone stand up in the American Music Awards and say, man, if you just believe in yourself you know, then you can achieve your dreams. So I'm not talking about that sort of faith, just general faith. You know, I'm talking about a specific faith in Jesus Christ. Let's look at this here. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's faith in Jesus that gives us that shield of faith. 
Look at how, the faith, how faith is described in the book of uh, Hebrews here, 11.1. 1, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Wow. I, I love that, that phrase there. Let me tell you a faith story from uh, when I did a short-term mission in India. Um, I've been asked to speak one Sunday afternoon service. It was a four o'clock service. Young church plant. I think it was about three years old. And uh, they're in that environment, very similar church service to what we might have here, different language, but basically the structure was very similar. We sung a few songs of worship, there were some announcements, and then I was called up to preach with an interpreter, and I was encouraged to give an old call at the end of the service. So the normal time frame would be uh, service from four o'clock in the afternoon to six o'clock. But as I gave the older call, the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the people. And uh, there was all manner of miracles, people being miraculously and instantaneously healed, others receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to give an idea of uh, the impact of this, as people got miraculously healed, they went down the streets and told friends and neighbours that they had been healed in the name of Jesus. And others were coming in to hear about the gospel and they were inviting Jesus into their lives as Lord and Saviour and they were experiencing the power of God. In fact, that was their testimony as they went out and told people, they were saying, I was not sure uh, uh, about this Jesus, but now I know he's real, I have felt his power. And that went on for hours. We, just, we could not leave the meeting. People were just coming in off the streets for hours. It was, uh, services, like I said, we're supposed to finish about six we were still praying for people after 11.30 at night. They were still coming in. We didn't finish until about quarter to 12. Now, and that night, I remember um, as uh, we, were, we were getting ready to leave and uh, we went by motorbike. I was just on the back of the interpreter's motorbike. He's a preacher too. And, uh, but as we tried to start this motorbike, it wouldn't start. And um, anyway, and then out of nowhere, we had these three big dogs i mean these huge hounds man their head was about this high i kid you not these things were enormous and as vicious as anything growling snarling and rabies is still an issue in india by the way too and uh but the interesting thing was uh you know our faith was sky high we'd seen all manner of miracles we'd seen a ton of people healed but we just stood our ground we just stared at them. We rebuked them in Jesus' name. And it was just, it was like we were holding up a shield of faith. They would get within about four meters of us and it was, they were kind of running and they'd stop. They'd run, they'd stop. They'd run, they'd stop. It's as if they could not pass an invisible shield of faith. And we got the motorbike going and went back. Went back to where I was staying. But it was fascinating to see this stuff is real. This stuff is real. Shall I pray the shield of faith over our lives? Number four. Shall we pray together? Lord God, I place upon myself the shield of faith with which I can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy, whether words from people or from demons. I place the shield over my heart. Protect me from being wounded in Jesus' name. Amen. The next one, as we find in Ephesians 6.17, is the helmet of salvation. Number five, the helmet of salvation. Um, 
you know, if you fully believe in your mind that you're genuinely saved, you've got a real confidence in that. Because I occasionally meet people, depending on their church background, they're not confident they're saved. But knowing your salvation because of your faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, that's a powerful thing, knowing that in your mind. But uh, I think Paul, of course, he is, he's, in his analogy here, he's talking about protecting our thoughts, our brain. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You know, I think of um, how the demonic powers, how demons can place negative thoughts in our minds, distracting thoughts in our minds, even evil thoughts in our minds. I think this is a real realm. And Paul, of course, knowing this, he says this to the believers of Corinth. 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, We demolish arguments... And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That helmet of salvation, placing that spiritual helmet of salvation over our minds, it can help us defeat thoughts that are not of us, that have come from the spiritual realm. Shall we place that helmet over our head now? In fact, this is one, I'm going to take a little bit more time over this prayer. Shall we pray this prayer together, the helmet of salvation? Let's pray this. Lord God, I place on myself the helmet of salvation. I now bind all spirits that would try to destroy my mind. Spirits of mind control, unbelief, confusion, rationalization, intimidation, indecision, and mental anguish. I bind all these spirits in Jesus' name. I render them powerless. Lord, bless me with discernment, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just one to go. Some might say the most important. Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Number six. The sword of the Spirit. And we're told in the book of Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. Now, how do we fight with God's word, the sword of the Spirit? Let me give you a couple of scriptures that I often use. It says in Colossians 2.14, Having cancelled the charge... Of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he, that's Jesus, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And look what the cross has achieved. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, words from Ephesians, same words, he made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Wow. So because of Jesus' work on the cross... The powers and authorities referring to demons and fallen angels in the spiritual realm. They are disarmed, according to that scripture, because of his work on the cross. How do we wield the sword of God? Well, we proclaim that truth. We speak that truth. When under attack, we can proclaim the reality that the spiritual forces are disarmed. And quote that very scripture. It gives us authority. Here's another one I use a lot. Philippians 2.9. It says, Therefore God exalted him 
to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that scripture, of course, puts the demonic powers in their place. They must bow. Jesus is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He is the Almighty One that every knee will bow to. On one occasion, Paul says that he was taken up to the third heaven and uh, had an incredible experience of God. The fact that he says the third heaven would indicate perhaps there are three realms. And this scripture that I just read, of course, mentions three realms. Three realms where people will bow or angelic forces will bow the knee to Jesus. Firstly, in heaven, God's heaven, the almighty God's heaven. But it also says on earth, that's planet earth, our realm that we're familiar with. And then it has another realm. It says under the earth, another realm where the demonic powers reign. But all of them, whether it's you and me, whether it's evil spirits, or of course God's angels in heaven, all shall bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's authority in that. You proclaim that, it puts demonic powers in their place. How do we wield the sword of the Spirit? It's with those sorts of scriptures as we proclaim and believe them. Let me share a story about uh, the sword of the Spirit. Um, uh, some of you will have heard, of course, of the uh, great Yongi Cho. Uh, he died a couple of years back now. Uh, but Cho uh, was a remarkable ministry, this guy. He, uh, he was a Buddhist, um, dramatically healed from uh, terminal tuberculosis. He was given three to six months to live, nothing the doctors could do. He prayed to Buddha, prayed to Buddha, prayed to Buddha. Buddha didn't answer. And then he had a, a young Christian girl started sharing the gospel with him. And he thought, well, I'll pray to Jesus. Will that make any difference? And Jesus healed him. He was so grateful, he gave his life to the Lord to say, I will serve you, Lord, no matter what. And uh, he, after doing some Bible college, he started a, a church. It was pretty humble beginnings. It was an old army tent with a few straw mats. <laughs> pretty cold in the South Korean winter, I tell you. Um, and, uh, but there he started services. That was his first ministry. But the time came when God would call him to the heart of Seoul, Korea, to plant an extraordinarily remarkable church. A church where every year, for a long time, they would see thousands of people saved and hundreds of people healed. The church grew and grew and grew to the point where, um, the, including the branch churches, which the mother church also supervised, there was over 750,000 people attending the church, three quarters of a million. A phenomena, an absolute phenomena. Well, this is a mighty man of God, and uh, he... Uh, would say that his blessings over his ministry were simply cooperating with the Holy Spirit. But sometimes the Holy Spirit would tell him things he did not want to hear. And one of them was this. He felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to be an evangelist to the Japanese. And Cho had to be honest and say, but I don't like the Japanese. See, in their history, there's, there's wars between Korea, South Korea and Japan, and the Japanese were particularly brutal, and he knows the stories, and... He found that really, really hard. And but he said, the Holy Spirit kept impressing upon me, I want you to be an evangelist to the Japanese. And I want you to learn their language. Well, reluctantly, very reluctantly, Cho started to learn Japanese and prepare himself for evangelistic endeavor in Japan. He said, there were times when I've got this Japanese book I'm trying to learn, you know, and I would throw it on the floor and say, Lord, it's just too hard. It's too hard. 
But he got to the day where he could speak fluent Japanese. And he would go into their various cities uh, with a team that have evangelistic endeavor, see heaps of people saved and plant churches throughout Japan. On one of these occasions, Cho arrives in a city and with a typical pattern, he'd often be in a high-rise that looked out over the city and he would pray over the city. On one of these occasions, he started to feel tired, he went to sleep. And uh, when he woke up, he said there was uh, an extraordinary atmosphere in the room. I felt absolutely overwhelmed with fear. Uh, The room was pitch black, but it felt like if I had a knife, you could cut it. The atmosphere was so thick. And there in that environment, he said he then looked at the bottom of his bed. And he saw what could only be described as a, a black panther. He looked down at it and it opened its eyes, bright yellow eyes. And Cho said to it, what are you? And it spoke. And it said, I'm the devil and I've come to kill you. It seems like Satan had taken on the form of a a black panther. And Cho said, I was absolutely terrified. He's a mighty man of God, but he said, I was absolutely terrified. I just cried out to the Lord, so God, please reach out, protect me. Lord, be with me. Lord, Lord, come, come be with me now. Lord, take this thing away. You know, he's praying, as you can imagine. It wasn't moving. It didn't leave. It just glared at him at the foot of his bed and stayed. Um, After a time, and he said it seemed to go on for a long time, he felt the Holy Spirit speak to him and say, my son, you're praying in fear. It will not leave while you pray in fear. And so then Cho, and I think there was a prompting at this point, he knew he had to quote the authority of Scripture. He had to wield the sword of the Spirit. And so he started to quote. He said, the Scriptures say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You must flee. The Word of God says, if I am submitted to God, which I am, I command you to flee in Jesus' name. And off he goes, quoting Scriptures. Well, at one point... Having quoted some scriptures and proclaimed them, again, the devil spoke and said, ah, you quote scripture. Cho said at that point, his heart really sank because he thought, it's nothing I can do. But then the devil added, I will leave now, but I will return and kill you. Now it just vanishes. But isn't this a reminder of how powerful the sword of the Spirit is? is prayer was not sufficient but as cho wielded the sword of the spirit so the devil had to leave i should point out the devil is not going to bother with any of you or me i'm afraid we're just not high enough on the scale but his servants his demons will and that is who we are battling against but if cho can rebuke the devil himself and he has to leave, how much more can we rebuke demons? Shall we pray this final prayer, the sword of the Spirit? Longest and most significant prayer. Let's pray this together. Prayer number six, the sword of the Spirit. Lord God, I take the sword of the Spirit and I thank you for your word. 
I now would seek to cut off from me with the sword of the Spirit all demonic spirits and activities from my life, all principalities and powers, all rulers in high places, all strongholds. I cut and negate all curses that have come through prayers, spells, chants, hexes, incantations, words spoken against me and my family through witchcraft, new age, Satanism, voodoo, astral channels, and prayers prayed that are not of you. I command all demons and spirits ruling or otherwise associated with such to leave me at once and go to the pit in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me uh, finish here by listing um, the armour of God again. And I'm going to call on someone to close in prayer. Who'd like to close in prayer here today? Who feels like it is their moment to pray? I'm going to need to see a hand. Who's going to pray for me at the end of the service? Lisa just put up a hand. That's good. (laughs) Here is the list. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Let me read these words where the Apostle Paul encourages to pray. Um, 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You know, if we desire to activate the armour of God, it's activated through prayer as we're led by the Holy Spirit. Just a reminder, like I said, I saw a lot of people taking photos. There are handouts on the information table, so you can take one of these home. It has the prayers and it has the armour of God image. And also for those who'd like to attend, Tuesday night, 7.30, this Tuesday in the cafe. Amen. Well, Lisa, let's, let's get Lisa up and uh, get her to pray for us. Thank you, Lisa. You never know what's going to happen in a church service, are you? Next time I'll pick Tanya, I think. Lord God, we thank you for today's word. We thank you that we can address these difficult topics that people sometimes don't want to admit that are a factor in their life. Lord, we pray that the word is clear. We pray that people everywhere can put on this armour every single day, that they rely on you, that they lean on you, that they're encouraged by you. Lord, we pray that all can wear the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness the gospel shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit that we arm ourselves with all of these things at all times that you are in our hearts, that you are in our minds, that you are with us every single day, that you protect us, that you love us and that you lead us through our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.